Men, what if we could do life better? What if we were more resilient and more confident? What if we got our priorities sorted and stuck to them? The world needs strong men. The Whole Man Academy podcast, hosted by life coach Anthony Asprey, that's me, is here to help you become the best version of yourself and make the most of your life at work and at play. Each week, myself and the Whole Man Academy team will be talking to inspiring people from all walks of life whose stories and strategies will empower you to become a better man. Let's get the conversation going, let's get men talking, and let's do life better. Uh, so this is the Whole Man Academy podcast. I am Anthony Asprey. My guest today is Marius, and you were born and raised mostly in the Netherlands. Um, you've been working as a, as a model since 2004. Um, you've worked around the world, over 20 countries and six continents, which is quite impressive. Uh, you're into psychology, sports, writing, motorbikes. In 2016, you gave your first TED Talk entitled Finding Pride in What You Do, which is really good. Marius, welcome to the Whole Man Academy. Thank you very much. Very, uh, very happy that, uh, that you invited me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, firstly, we should explain how we got in touch, which was actually that I saw on David Gandhi's Instagram that um, you're, a, you're a friend of his. He'd mentioned your coaching, um, which I think is, uh, is something we're definitely going to speak about a little bit later in the podcast. But we always ask these questions. Uh, firstly, which is how are you and where are you? Well, the, the short answer to the first part is, is I'm, I'm good, you know, considering all the, all, everything that's going on. I think we're, we're doing really well over here. I am in a town in Tuscany called San Giovanni Valdarno. This is uh, where I live together with my wife, who is, uh, who's from this town. And I assume over there it's slightly different weather to here. So you, are you able to get out whilst it's lockdown? I mean, how's it working for you out there? That's a bit of a, a tough one here because we live in the, in the historical center of the town uh, in on the third floor with uh, no outside space. So um, one of the highlights of my day is is bringing out the trash, which I do a lot slower than I normally would. And uh, so it is pretty tough, especially now the weather is is spectacular and especially me being dutch and having this sort of natural reflex of if there is sun one must enjoy it it's uh it's quite tough to sort of look at it from the window and imagine how it would be in the sun but you know yeah. that's that's part of, of what we have to do over here so what are the how can what are the rules for you out there at the moment are you is it just purely to go out to eat uh, as in to get food or how, how's it working yeah, basically, whenever you would go outside, you have this paper that you need to have filled out uh, because there is, you know, police driving around. There are police checks. There's even sort of, yeah, roadblock sounds a bit more military than what it is, but there are checks going on and you can go out yet yeah, for essential shopping. And if you have a job that is considered essential for the situation for the rest, basically it is, it's close off yeah it's tough yeah it's been it's been more than a month now and that's uh, i think there's been different phases to it i think in the beginning it was you know there was still some some people were not really following the rules properly then people were and then after two weeks of the full lockdown there was a high hope and an expectation for the numbers to sort of get better. And there was a bit of a delay in that. And I think that mentally that that was a tough moment for, for many people, including myself, to sort of think like, yeah, but 
where's the payoff? You know, we're, we're, we're doing this and we've been doing it for a while. And now we'd like to see things getting a little bit better. And that took a little bit. And, but now you clearly see that, uh, that it's working. Yeah. So there's, hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I guess for, for people in the UK as well, when it's not so strict, which some people do agree with, some people don't, where you can take your one form of exercise a day, um, which some people unfortunately have maybe been, um, you know, suddenly they were doing six mile hikes, whereas previously they, 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 they didn't do much of that at all. Um, so if you were able to get out and do exercise for, for let's say an hour, what, what form of exercise would you be doing? Bike get on my bike and get into the beautiful hills around here that's i used to i used to be a very very fanatic runner until about i think five years ago then my left ankle decided that i will no longer be a runner and then slowly i got into into cycling and it's a very good you know i still miss running because at the heart of it that that's what i love most but the cycling is just amazing especially here it's just it's gorgeous and that's that's the one thing, I think one of the first things I was thinking about, I was talking with my wife about it, I think yesterday, what's, what's the first thing, what is the number one thing that you want to do when, uh, you know, uh, yeah. when life has hopefully returned to normal-ish? And that would be in the top three for sure. What would be the other ones? Well, there's, I, I was thinking there's two more. One is to go on a big hike, just get out into nature, find a path I don't know, and walk, go breathe fresh air and look further yeah. you know I'm, I'm starting to get this sort of you know you have vertigo and this is more horizontal go I think sort of that you know you, you don't really see further further uh, ahead anymore and I think that's that would be really nice to just be able to to see more and then the other thing with my oldest brother uh not every year but since about five years we've done it three times we go to this rock festival in Belgium and you know for now the one in july is still you know it hasn't been cancelled but i cannot ever see that uh, happening sure. but with my brother and some friends go to a music festival and sort of be around people without um worries not sure when that will will happen uh, but yeah that that would be the top three i think yeah i think that's right a lot of people it's it's that you know just getting out and doing what what maybe is seemed as as normal um, and it's interesting, we're talking about the, the, the effects on all of us for the coronavirus and, and, and more so the lockdown. Um, and I see that you spend some time on, um, on kind of video courses, some of your mates. I noticed the word Wolfpack um, in, what was it, in Madrid and Canada and what have you. And, and how does that work for you and what does it give you as a person? Well, these two guys are my best friends. And... Um, I, I always feel that the WhatsApp group we have, the name of the WhatsApp group is, is just very aptly named because it's called Borderless. Because we have a Nigerian in Canada, a South African in Spain, and a Dutchman in Italy. And um, we're, because we've been at a distance already for a long time, we are quite used to staying in touch uh, in that way. Um, but now we do see an increase of, of being in touch with each other. And I think one of the most beautiful sides to, to just sort of this friendship that we have with the three of us is that somehow uh, there's a certain intimacy that you have when you talk one-on-one -on -one with people instead of with more, more people. And what I love with them is that we are sort of in three, but it feels like 
it has the intimacy of of one on one and it can you know when when we talk it can just be absolute nonsense to um very <laughs> serious topics topics that are important in our lives uh, both of them have uh, two two young children uh, how that's going the insecurities of that the insecurities that i experience in in my life the the doubts the beautiful things um and then after that most probably a, a whole bunch of nonsense again you know and that's it's a very very beautiful beautiful mix isn't that important though to in this day and age where you know a lot of us are maybe are spread around the world but it's to remind guys that it doesn't have to be that way of you just whatsapping and you know whatsapping is fine but just being able to see your friend's face and pick up their you know, their, their mannerisms even if you're talking nonsense is is uh, is priceless how long have you been doing this for with uh, you mean well with them we always there's a lot of sort of typing going on over the years um, with one of them, I talk a little bit more on on video, and with the three of us, that's just we've been just trying that recently. That's been one of the the sort of the benefits of uh, of yeah, not the benefits, but sort of I think it's important in these sort of very tough times to sort of also try to take a moment to stand still at what it what it brings you, what it what it has given you, what has been a nice side to it, because sometimes that can be a bit hard and almost that you feel like you shouldn't be thinking of that. Yeah, uh, because of how grave the situation is for for many people, but then I think that there's it's also nice to sort of look at that side once in a while a little bit as well, and mm -hmm. and that we we were also talking like man, we do we need a pandemic to to do this to get this done to just sort of you know talk like this because it's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's funny how it's yeah you know, this this was certainly obviously it's got its good and its bad. Um, kind of situations it's created, but it's certainly maybe reminding us all that staying in touch, um, you know, distance isn't, shouldn't be an obstacle. Um, and if we get on to, I mean, the, the reason that I first um, heard about yourself, obviously was through David Gandhi and um, we'll perhaps talk a touch about him a little bit later, but if we, if we talk to the guys at home about um, the, the modeling side view of your life, which obviously was huge and, I must say, you probably don't know this, but your, the, the Hugo Boss advert, which you kind of said was your, you know, probably the, the biggest thing you worked on, I, I believe inspired me to start wearing uh, black shirts. And I used to wear the aftershave all the time. So, <laughs> so uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's one of those um, adverts that really will, you know, will, will stay with me. So what was it like being a, a male model? Um, especially because it was you got spotted in South Africa and, and very quickly had uh, uh, you know um, was it ten or eleven agencies all interested in signing up at the same time? Yeah, that was surprising. That was <laughs> it was I was there. I was in South Africa on an, on an exchange program from my university, and um, there was already before in Holland. There was you know sort of other people that had approached me for this work and I was always like no I don't want to do that it's not my thing um had my you know I have my judgments about that and my opinions about that and uh then it was actually someone I I truly deeply cared about uh, who is a psychologist and then you you already know that you're in a bit of trouble with it <laughs> <laughs> uh, because she was the one that at some point told me you're such an adventurous person you know whatever comes in your path you will always say yes and then just see what happens from there 
except for when it comes to this modeling thing. Interesting. And yeah, it was it was very spot on. It was a very, very um, good thing that she said. So at some point I was in, in Cape Town and just decided to, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in. I'm not gonna think about it right now. I'm going to walk into this agency and and say, hi. Yep. I don't know. And yeah, that's uh, that's how that sort of got started, and that was um, just very unexpected how that uh, how that proceeded. Well, I know you speak in your um, TED talk, which I would urge the guys to uh, to, to listen to as well because I, I found it really interesting. But I know you spoke about you know sometimes things are down to luck as well, but also you had to take that chance of of, of kind of going and putting yourself in front of people, and of course that means that you're going to be judged on your appearance and, and you know maybe maybe nothing else as, as such so how was that for you with that feeling um again speaking in your TED talk about that you've kind of been lucky to, to to get into that role well that was sort of something that I struggled with for for many years um was this sort of idea that I just got lucky and therefore whatever came from that was undeserved because it was just a bit of a, a fluke and a mix of you know the the, the genes that uh, that I have and um, and combined with what I also spoke about in that TED talk this sort of you know fear that you have I think the older you get the more many times you can let go of that fear or those thoughts a little bit which is what other people are going to think mm-hmm. um, and that always made me sort of yeah play down a little bit the the size of 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 what I was doing or uh, this, yeah, I was, for me, that Ted talk was, was very, it was important for me as well, because for the first time I sort of said out loud, like, Hey, I've done really well in this. Why doesn't it feel like that then? And, but just to sort of say that first part and then to straight away say it that publicly was, uh, was a big learning moment still, even in that moment itself. What was it like doing the Ted talk? Because, had you, I mean, it's, there's, a, there's a big crowd there. Had you spoken in public? Because obviously there's a difference between being a model and having, you know, a, a photographers and stylists and whoever around you to actually saying right now you're up and you're talking in, in public for, you know, was it a quarter of an hour or something like that? Yeah, it was, it was terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it's, uh, it was one of those situations where you think 10 times before, like, why, why did I do this? And, um, I've learned over the years that it's a great sign when, when I get that feeling, because that means that I'm, that I'm up to something, something new, something exciting, something I haven't done before. Therefore you can learn a lot from it. Um, sorry, what was the other part of your question? Well, actually, I guess it's, I was going to ask, what was it like for you? Because you're, you, you, at that point you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Oh, and also, yeah, there, there is, I mean, public speaking is something that I have, for instance, also university I went to, it was very normal that you had to do presentations a lot. Different size crowds, obviously, but um, you do, I was a little more used to it in that sense. And then with modeling, you do, especially when you do the fashion shows, um, you get sort of used to crowds, but there's a, there's a massive difference between whether I'm working as a model and then I'm just, you know, the model. And but with the TED talk, that was that was me. That was Marius standing there and 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 having to talk. So, and then you know, it's a TED talk, so they're very strict also on on how much time it is. So on the first row there, there was this girl sitting there. She was looking at me very friendly, 
but she had a clock that was running, you know, so <laughs> you do kind of felt the pressure like, oh, okay, let's hope I stay within, within the time. Yeah, I guess that's, um, we, we've had um, a couple of guys that have spoken on our podcast who have, have done um, TED Talks, TEDx Talks. And of course, it's so interesting because I, I didn't realize the amount of preparation that is, is needed. I mean, people think, oh, you get up there, do your talk, thanks, and off you go. But um, tell us a little bit about how you prepared for it. Well, the thing is, I've never been very good at sort of um, going verbatim, really having something written out word for word and memorizing that. Um, the way I'm built, that will take away the, the, the spontaneity that uh, I just I will just be focused on the rehearsal of the words instead of me just talking. So I had certain points that I wanted to touch upon. And I chose to have very limited slides and everything because I feel like they can they can distract uh, quite quite a bit. So I wanted to keep that very very simple. And then from there, I I practiced a lot and sort of also with the clock running because that was an important thing. And I was I was a little bit scared at first because every time I practiced, something else was coming out. You know, there was, yeah. it was never really the same thing. But at some point, I did start noticing that um, you know. The, the main things will come out. And then from there, uh, I was, as I was telling you, I was, I was quite scared. Um, but then I also know with myself, even, even today, this talk, you know, I can feel a little bit nervous before it, but then I also know once I'm in it, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And then there was a beautiful thing that I had to take the train from Amsterdam to Utrecht to, to go to the, the TED talk. And um, one of my brothers, he lives in Portugal. And um, he's a big fan of TED Talks, and he's a very proud brother, um, proud of me, which is beautiful too, and to have that kind of unconditional support. And I was standing at the at the train station, and I felt this tap on my shoulder, and my brother was there. He flew oh, wow. in from Portugal to to be there, and um, yeah. So in the end, my whole direct family, my parents, both of my brothers were were there that night, and that made it made it very special. So were they, they, were they in the audience and you could actually see them? And if so, how, how did that, did that add any extra pressure to you? It did not. It was, it was beautiful to, to see them. I actually had to watch out that I wasn't just sort of only talking to them. <laughs> um, but with both of my parents, I could, I, I, I still remember this sort of, this pride that was just sort of on their faces. I could see them. And I could see those expressions and that just made me calmer, I think. It just made me sort of think like, okay, yeah, this is okay. I know, I feel like I have something that I would like to share and, and, and I feel now comfortable doing that. And that was, it was, it was a special night. And would you do another TED Talk? Sure. Um, but only um, if I would have something that I would, you know, a, a message to, that I would feel is, is worth sharing in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you could think of something. Um, <laughs> I, jumping into um, when we spoke about the, the Hugo Boss um, campaign, there was, there was something you'd written, which I, I read, which kind of, I really wanted to ask about where you said that for that campaign, you, you heard about it, but it was actually maybe three months, um, you know, in uh, until it was actually happening. So you had to kind of transform your your body, and by that I'm guessing adding muscle on as opposed to losing weight. Um, and you you said I had to live like a monk. 
Um, so tell us a little bit about that. I mean, what's it like for the, you know, for a model? Because us normal guys, you know, we, we will try and keep ourselves in okay shape, but not, you know, no one's judging you and paying you to be in perfect condition. Yeah, and I feel like in that sense, men are at they have more options than female models because for female models there's there's still more like one body type where where with men i've always felt that there was loosely maybe three categories where you have the sort of all quite androgynous really skinny uh guys tend to be also younger um and then you have you know the david gandhis the, the sculpted gods yeah um, and then you got some guys in the middle you know that are sort of like in, in shape and fine but not in those two extremes and i was i've always been sort of more in, in that category um, these are not official categories that existed this yeah. is just sort of 13 years of walking around in that world um and but then yeah with with uh, with them they really sort of said okay you're you're the guy but we do need you to sort of buff it up a little bit and that was that was it was tough it was a lot of fun um because my personal trainer became, became was a, a dear friend of mine he's uh he's uh he was back then dutch marine corps and he's two meters and over 100 kilos and there's no fat on there right. and yep. so he built this training program for me and i came along with me and it was it was tough but it was also in a way, it was a lot of fun because it was very challenging. I had to do so many things that I'd never done before and sort of go through certain barriers of sort of normally, you know, if you have your own routine, whether that's, you know, for me, like cycling or CrossFit or, or at some point you can have a day where you think, I'm tired. I have a little pain here, you know, <laughs> a niggle. Yeah, and then you postpone it a day, and that day can turn into multiple days. And that just in that situation, it just wasn't really an option. And that, and that was that was that was very good fun. What about with the eating side of it? Because obviously, if you're if you're needing to put muscle on, you're needing to increase your calories. But whereas, I'm guessing for it's finding that fine line between putting weight on and putting muscle on. Or putting fat on. So, how did you find that? Were you, were you did you have to increase your calories a lot, and were you told what to eat? How how did it work for you? I wasn't told what to eat, um, but I did sort of ask some help from from people that know what they're doing because I'm really good at eating. But especially back then, I didn't really know that much about what exactly I was eating. Um, that was also because I was just younger, and you know, it just would go away somehow. Um, but then, yeah, I did have to eat a lot more, eat, eat certain things more. And also that was tough because I had to think a little bit further ahead and, you know, not just open up the fridge and from there, based on what's in there, decide what I'll be eating, but to really sort of have more planned regime, more meals a day as well, which mm -hmm. that, that took some time getting used to. But, um, yeah, I think the toughest thing was after all of this was done, you know, I was physically quite, quite tired, but then, so I would do a lot less sport, but then the e eating habits were, were still there. So then I straight away had to watch out, like, oh, let, let's make sure that this does not turn into a, a different situation here. Yeah, because I guess you end up living the life of a, you know, more of an athlete for a while if you're doing that. And then suddenly if you're, you're stopping so much of the exercise, but your appetite hasn't uh, diminished 
then it's it's easy to stack it on. Well, I think that's interesting because again, for for most guys, they just um, you know want to get in good shape, but you're not necessarily having that moment. And I'm sure when we speak to David Gain about this, you're not having you're not taking your clothes off and having someone judge you on it and pay you for how you look. Um, so have you had any times where you've gone to castings and, and, and you've been told that the body you've got isn't what they're looking for? Absolutely. And that's, what's that that's, like? Oh, that's not nice. That's, I mean, I think over the years that has go gone from sort of ego and soul crushing to unpleasant, you know, there's been a nice, sort of line in there. Um, but but still, that, that's never really what we want to hear. And then I'm not even talking about sort of as a model being a professional, but just as a human being. You know, there's the, uh, there's a, a joke that something that happened at the, at the Paris Fashion Week. There's the, you know, you have these crazy castings and it's very hectic. And sometimes you have to wait for hours just to sort of go in and out. And, and then you have a yes or a no, or you hear later. And there was one casting where finally it was my turn and you know you have your portfolio with the pictures in there and it was just someone with a very stern look and a table with five people who looked me in the eye and then looked down and up and said no <laughs> it was i walked out and i was just like I'm, I'm going home i'm i'm done this is this is terrible like i don't belong here yeah and that's i think that's always for me especially you know because everyone has their own insecurities for me body has always been a little bit one one of mine and and therefore for me it's even when i'm in sort of the best shape i can be then i'm still not super comfortable doing that just because you know everyone and that th those are my insecurities that i have it's it's interesting because i wonder whether you've ever had it where of course the average guy um, would probably quite happily look like you do, especially as you said, you're very photogenic and from any angle, if someone takes a photo, it would probably look really good. So have you found that, um, that being able to kind of express those feelings of, uh, um, you know, with, with your own body can become more difficult because the average guy will be like, what are you complaining about? Look at you. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. You should be happy with it. And I, I can see, I, I think it's a, it's a good point as well. I think it's, it, it's a bit of a, a balance that you need to seek. Sort of, I understand that, you know, having been able to do this as a living for as long as I have means that something's good about it. You know, I get that and, and I appreciate that. Um, but then on the other hand, it does not necessarily mean that you are now forever sort of bulletproof in in what you hear from from others or what you sort of think that others might be thinking about you or saying about you and in that sense yeah it, it is a balance you need to seek because I can also fully imagine that people look at me and hear that and think like oh yeah okay well let me play the violin for that guy <laughs> you know I, I get that on the other hand I think it's also okay to to sort of you know, still feel the things that I feel without making them bigger than what they are, because yeah. they are just sort of, it's not like I, I'm terrified before these moments happen. It's just more that, you know, if I would have a choice between doing that and doing that with more clothes on, I'd probably take that one. That's a, it's so interesting to hear you say that. And I, I just wondered if for the guys that are listening and, and, and maybe 
Um, obviously, there's we, we realise that twenty five or twenty seven percent of our podcast audience is female at the moment, which is interesting, seeing as it's called the Whole Man Academy. Um, so, ladies, welcome. Um, but I just <laughs> wondered how how do you stay stay strong um, in this environment that is just it's judging you? So, how do you stay mentally strong? I think it what helped me a lot is to um, try to see this also as um, as the job, as in, I think also on a photo set in the beginning, you know, there would be 15, 20 or more people around. And I would think they're all looking at me. They're looking at Marius. And that would make me sort of close down and therefore maybe not be able to sort of bring the expression or emotion that they would want me to have. But slowly I started also understanding, wait a minute, there's the stylist is, looking at the clothes that makeup artist is looking if if the face is okay that the hairstylist is checking the hair the assistants are checking if the light is falling correct the photographer is looking at the total picture the client is thinking of is this the image that we want as a company so everyone is looking into my direction but no one's really looking at, at me me yeah. and that always kind of helped me to sort of relax a little bit into it. And I think also just with, with experience comes um, this feeling of, okay, I, 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 this is going to be all right. These are just the circumstances of my job, which is amazing because I'm in, a, in the place wherever I am. And um, I just need to always keep in mind that, that you're not necessarily the center of attention. Uh, yeah. if that makes any sense. It's, uh... It's something to think about because I also wondered the, the other challenge of, of modeling, I'm guessing, is not knowing when your next working day is um, and or your next paycheck because it's not a regular job. Um, and I wondered how you managed to deal with that over the years. I think my, my number one trick has always been to whenever I am on a photo shoot, I imagine that being the last time I work as a model. Wow. So to flip it around and to try to always think whenever an option comes in or whenever a job gets confirmed, that's just another bonus that came. And that made me see it in a, in a different light. And that, that has actually helped me a lot to sort of um, to deal with that insecurity a bit better. And on the other hand, I've always kind of enjoyed it. The, the not knowing the, yeah. the, the sort of the excitement, but then you do notice that, you know, again, this sort of, this is a job where you as a person and you as a job, they're, they're quite close to each other. So if there would be a period of, um, of time where I would not get as many options or sorry, not, not as many jobs, I started noticing that that would also have a little bit of an impact on, on my self-esteem, for example. And right. Being aware of those things has, have been very, very helpful as well. It's, uh, it, it's great to hear because, yeah, I guess people don't think about that, of the, the uncertainty you have to live with of, of going from a job where maybe it's being paid a lot of money, but it's not, it's not a regular income and, and you know, kind of jumping from one to the other. Um, and talking of jumping from one to the other, to get onto your, I guess, would you call it your second career? which is your, your, your life coaching. Right. Now, I know yeah. you've, you, you've had a love for psychology 
Um, and tell us how, how and why you got into the, to the coaching side of things. Well, coming from, I studied social psychology in, in university and then the modeling happened. So um, I, I've never done anything with that in the, in, the, in the job sense. I feel like psychology is always around us in, in any interaction that we have. So in that sense, you use, uh, you do use it. But um, I, I've always just been fascinated by human behavior and, and group behavior and over the years, especially with modeling, there were phases where I was also looking for something else to do. So I spent some years also writing um, for the Dutch uh, Runners World, the magazine, um, doing interviews. So it's, you know, it's, it's funny to be on the other side of a yep. conversation like this. Um, but then also my love for psychology and, and, and sort of this not so much wanting to help people, but wanting to have a positive impact that that kept on popping up so i think about three years ago three four years ago i, I had a, a year-long course in, in in coaching um and that really sort of set me on on that path and the, and the, the love for psychology and the love for making a positive impact if, if possible on, on people that you have around you um started shaping in that in that way is that what it's all about is making a positive impact for you i i think so i really believe that you know there's um one of the the, the impacts that that i can have in 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 the relatively small life that that we all live is that is a, is a very simple way and that can be you know getting the cashier in the supermarket to, to smile um to being there for for friends and and family and in this case with with coaching um trying to be there for other people as well and that's that's the important point um the, the reason that i um saw you on david gandhi's instagram was because you'd kindly offered kind of free coaching to anybody that was affected by um, you know, what's going on in the world at the moment with COVID, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, whatever the issue is. Um, and I just wondered how, um, well, no, what's my question? What's the response you've had from that? The response has been amazing. It's been, it's been very special in the beginning. It was, it was a little bit overwhelming because, you know, from there it I needed to set it up and make that happen. So about uh, two days after I sort of, published the 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 idea was when the first appointments were were happening and it's been it's been very busy since then and i also had to sort of find my own rhythm in this because these are not exactly conversations where you can have six in a day you know you also need to understand sort of where where do i feel like i can still give uh, someone the proper amount of attention and and, and care and that's been, it's been very, very beautiful to, to see the response to it and, and, and the openness of people and, and the need to just, yeah. um, like we were talking a, a little bit before as well, just to sort of communicate with someone else. And, and um, that's been, it's been a very special experience. Well, I see you'd, you'd written at the heart of it, it's having the chance to speak to a, to a friendly face, which at the moment, for a lot of people, even if they had a great social life and a career, it might be that if they're at home on their own, um, you know, maybe they're not seeing anybody at all. I, I wondered, 
um, what's the the mix of people that have asked for the coaching, like male to female and age ranges? Have you seen any patterns there? I think I was actually because I was I was curious as well. It's been more men than than women. Um, I'd say about seventy thirty, um, somewhere along those lines. Age wise, it's it's. I mean that that might also be because of the age that I have, and therefore, for instance, on Instagram, people that follow me might be in that same age category, but sort of around my age, so from twenty to forty, something something along those lines. Yeah. And and how have you managed? I guess you're going to have a mixture of of issues for people. So how have you managed your own uh, energy and emotions when you're dealing with challenging uh, challenging topics? Right. No, that's it's it's a good question, and it's also something. Um, for instance, I asked my my wife to also keep a little bit of an eye on me. You know, as in, if I come, if I'm done with it in the evening, am I am I still there? Because sometimes I notice those things a bit less fast than than people around me. And right now, the only person that's around me is my wife. Um, but also, I I always try to understand if I am in a moment where I can still give or where I actually have nothing to give. And for instance, the first couple of days, I got a little bit worried for a second because in the evenings I would be very, very tired. Um, but because it's also the fact that it's, it's different than, than with normal coaching. You know, this is people that until that moment, they are an Instagram username. Yeah. And, you know, you just pop open the screen like we did and you just have no idea um, who this person is going to be, how they're doing. And But then I noticed after a couple of days that a sort of a rhythm kicked in. I was also able to to relax more, which is also, you know, very, very helpful. Um, and from there, since then, it's just been, I think many times with these types of conversations, yes, you might touch on, on, um, more uh, heavier emotions or more complicated emotions or circumstances but then most of the time at the end of a conversation there will be more uh, people will feel uh, lighter and yeah. and that is most of the time the energy that that sticks with me so um yeah that's been it, it's it's always something that you need to keep an eye on um but for now, that's been actually something that I've been surprised about in a, in a positive way. Oh, it's great because it just it just reminds you that uh, you know it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can you can impact people's lives for uh, for for good. Um, you know, by just as you say, putting an Instagram post out. I guess it didn't hurt having David Gandhi share it on his Instagram when he's got uh, a, a million <laughs> followers. Um, I just had that vision of. You know, going on there, and suddenly your your email just melting down, or your Instagram DMs because you've got you know, even if it's a few thousand people all saying, "Yep, I'll have the free coaching." Yeah, that was um, because I normally I'm I'm never the person to sort of ask someone uh, to do that because I don't I'm not too active on on the on social medias, but in this case, like you know what this I I really believe that this is something that a lot of people could be needing and I wanted to reach more people than I can reach. So I sent a message to, uh, to David and it was in the evening and then I didn't really check Instagram until the day after. And then I kind of, I didn't forget about it, but it just wasn't really 
um, on my mind. Then I opened up Instagram and I, I thought the thing was broken. I thought something was, was just <laughs> wrong. Uh, no, that was, uh, it was very kind of him uh, to, to do that. And it, it was, it was just sort of very helpful to have more people just hear like, Hey, if you want, just shoot me a message, come have a chat. It is really that simple in that moment to just bring, to bring that to, to make it easy for people to just do that. And also a lot of people said, you know, I really appreciate that David Gandhi or I respect him or he's one of my idols. And he said, you know, that you're good people. So that also made it, made it easier in that. And that's and made me very happy. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great seal of approval. I wondered just uh, for, for those listening, what was that like when you opened up your Instagram? Was it that you had loads of messages or likes or, um, you know, is it that you just kind of look at it and it's just a colossal amount of activity on there? It was just the whole, you know, when you have those little red things that pop up that you have either some likes or a comment or new followers or, and then in the top there's the, it was just everything. It was, <laughs> I don't, and, and yeah, it was, and also I, it's just not something I use it, but a little bit almost more in just in a, in a private way. Um, and so I just, I just, that was a, a, a new thing and it was straight away. It also, it, it, I could feel straight away kind of exactly the reason why I'm very careful with social media. Cause I started getting this stress of like, I must respond. I need yeah. to respond to everyone. And, and that was, um, yeah, that great. was a form of stress that normally I, I either avoid or just don't experience because I, I don't have that kind of a social media power. Well, I was going to ask you, with, um, from, from when you started modeling, obviously the social media um, juggernaut has, you know, has just grown bigger and bigger over the years. So uh, at what point would you have got into social media and would you have used it to kind of um, improve your, your career? No, no, that was never, I think, um, that was just, I've never been very good at, um, you know, uh, self-promotion sounds too negative, um, but to sort of put myself out there in that sense. Uh, I could see straight away when, when social media was coming up more and more that that would not really be my way. And if that would uh, impact sort of uh, in the end, um, the, the modeling okay I can I can live with that and so that was always just it was a pretty conscious decision that over the years now you know you can go to a casting and and they ask you how many followers do you have and, and that that question can still amaze me but it makes complete sense in 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 how it is uh, today yeah uh, but yeah that's just never really been I think my uh, my way to to approach it your thing i guess uh i mean i'm i'm in my 40s now so i haven't grown up with it and i'm very thankful i haven't because you see the the, the pressures for maybe the younger guys in the in the limelight who feel like they need to share everything that's going on um it's uh especially for their career more, more so maybe the personal trainers um and you just wonder how much of their life they end up having to dedicate just to self-promotion on Instagram to then go into a, as you say, with a model, with a casting. And, and those people already know a lot about you and your life. Yeah. And that's always been something that I've been hesitant about in sort of, I'm, I'm a private person in the sense that, you know, the people that, that 
I have close to me the people that uh, I love and, and that I feel comfortable with. I am about, I try to be as much as, of an open book as I can, but I don't, you know, I don't necessarily would need to share that with, um, with everyone. I wouldn't feel comfortable with it somehow. Maybe that's, maybe also, I mean, I'm turning 37 soon. So I think it's also related to the fact I also didn't grow up with that. And yeah, I just haven't really, I, I don't feel comfortable with, uh, with sort of sharing too much in that yeah. sense. That's uh it brings me beautifully onto my next point, which was I know during your TED, uh, TEDx talk, you said about the importance of stopping um, you know, worrying about the opinion of others. And yeah. I guess that, you know, for you beautifully, it leads from, from the modeling side, but how do you think that is kind of shaping your mindset these days? Um, I think, I mean, up to a certain degree, I can only speak for myself. I will always care a little bit about what other people are thinking. And, and in, a, in a dark night, when the dark thoughts come, I'll probably think that they're thinking the most negative for, version of, of what I could possibly imagine. Um, but I have sort of over the years, just tried to let go more and more of, of those fears. And also, I think when I was younger, there's also, you are more sort of self-centered, in, in the sense that over the years, I also started imagining, um, understanding that, you know, a lot of other people won't really, you know, they might have a fleeting thought or something, but I'm a lot less important than, than, uh, than I feel in, in my own life, obviously. So I think it was also just, you know, in a way, it's an overestimation of, of, of self in that sense. And I've always thought that that was a funny way of sort of understanding, like, yeah, everyone is the, is the star of their own movie. And, you know, there's p other people that play a role in it. And, and I think it just over the years helped me a lot to just also sort of, yeah, just accept that, you know, other people might think certain things. Okay, the people that I, for from, from me is important, those are the opinions that matter. And if they have something to report about, you know, that wasn't very nice, or, you, you know, think about that for a second, then I'll listen. Yeah. I it's a, it's an interesting realization to have. It's so important. Um, we had on a previous episode, a, um, a coach who, you know, said the same about everybody's starring in their own, um, movie. And, uh, I, I guess for you also on the modeling side of it, if you spent your whole time worrying about what everybody thought, uh, when you've got everybody looking at you for exactly what you look like, um, it's, it's probably not going to be time well spent. Um, we asked you, um, we, we sent you a couple of questions beforehand. And one of them was about what one kind of personal habit or daily routine has contributed most to your success. Um, I just wonder if you could kind of tell the guys a bit about what for you has really worked over the years. Yeah, for me, it has always been movement as in um, doing sports, uh, going outside, being, just being outside in, in fresh air. And that's also why I love living here in Tuscany so, so deeply. Um, I just noticed over the years that I do my best thinking and not thinking when I'm in movement. And this is almost, there was a, a friend of mine, he, he asked me, so you're in, you know, you're in this apartment in, in Tuscany. How is it that you can't really move much? Because I can only imagine that you must get pretty annoying if you can't move. <laughs> and he had a very, very good point. Um, 
but for me, whenever there are, you know, if there's decisions that I need to make, or um, there are certain thoughts that I can't really understand properly, that it's not necessarily that I'll go out and that I will always come back with this perfectly packaged answer. Um, but it will always be helpful if, if only for the fact that I've managed to just sort of take my thoughts away from it for a while or to just have my other senses be, be stimulated and, and, and just let my brain do what it does. So it's, it's, um, it's the movement side of it, as you say, it's either, would it just be, would it be movement? I mean, for you, would it be listening to music as well or would it be happy in your own thoughts? It can, it can be either one. It can be, for instance, when I go cycling, I never have music. And that's also just from a pure safety perspective, because I do live in Italy and some cliches are a little bit true. So, <laughs> you know, you, you want to be able to hear cars coming. Uh, that, that is, uh, so that's definitely a safety thing. Um, but for instance, if I'm in the gym, it's always with music and it is loud and obnoxious. And that's What are you listening of, to? If you're in the gym, uh, what, what have you got on? That can be, it can be quite a lot of sort of 80s, 90s hip hop. Um, it can be sort of, in, in Holland, there was the electronic music was, was massive in the, especially in the 90s where I kind of grew up with that. There's a lot of that. There is some really loud guitar music. Um, but all, in my opinion, all really good music. But, you know, I guess it is, it is a little bit in, in, in the ear of the beholder, let's say. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. I think it's... Um... It's always interesting to know what some people uh, listen to, whether it's podcasts in the gym and or if you, you know, listen to dance music or rock music. Um, it's often with people, it's, it's sometimes it's surprising when you hear them talking about what they like to listen to in the gym. Um, one guy we spoke to who liked listening to cookery shows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i would just okay. get way too hungry i feel yeah I, I couldn't see that kind of getting your testosterone pumping and you know your blood <laughs> pumping if you're listening to uh, to baking stuff um but uh, another question for yourself was just going going on to modeling what's the what's the best and the worst thing about modeling for you that is a very good question the let's start with the positive i think that the best thing has been I mean, there, there are a few obvious ones, you know, having, having traveled as extensively as, as this and having a job where in a short amount of time you can, you can make quite a decent uh, living. Um, I think what, what, what I've always truly appreciated is the diversity of people that, you've, that, that I've met, that I've worked with. Um, people from all sorts of different backgrounds. Um, um, if you think of models, these are people that if they didn't have the face they did, they might have been professors or plumbers or in jail or or rock artists or like you don't, you don't know. And so it, can, it comes from all walks of life. And um, that has been something that I've truly, truly appreciated uh, about it. I think, um, and if I think of like, what's the, what's the worst? Yeah, the worst side is... I'm not sure if I have a, a proper, well-defined um, answer for that. I think it is a world that is made of extremes. Um, so there's, in, in both positive and negative um, sense, I think what, what in, for me personally, sometimes has been really hard is, is just been dealing with the, the loneliness, the sort of 
the, the feeling that you couldn't really share things that it was hard to to explain i remember at some point my my oldest brother he he uh, did it he lived in india for a year they were uh, teachers at a at a school there him and his wife and i was living in new york and we had a phone call and i was at some this is also this is not something that in my in my case happened all the time and in, in that moment it just did that i was at some glamorous party with with movie stars and things and i was talking to him about it and and he said that is just it's really hard to imagine that <laughs> right now considering where where i am and he didn't mean anything negative by it he was just being very honest thing like, i cannot even begin to to imagine that at this moment and that's something that i felt always uh, quite a bit for instance you know feeling loneliness in 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 tokyo um yeah. and there there's, there's been these moments where you just feel alone and and i think for me that's been uh, the tougher part well, tell us what that's like, because let's say you get, um, you know, sent to Tokyo for a casting. You may be there for a couple of days. I'm assuming that apart from your um, your booker or agent, your model agency, that you're kind of on your own. Yeah, Tokyo is a very, that's not a, a, a it's a bit of a different situation in there that you go for a longer period. Um, you don't, I mean, you can have a job in Tokyo and you fly in and out, but if you go to Tokyo, you tend to stay a little bit longer. So that was a bit of a different, um, uh, situation, but you can have it in, in many other cities that you go there, for instance, for a month and you, you know, you do the castings and go sees and, and you see what kind of work uh, comes, uh, comes from it. And yeah, that can be really hard and really fun as well, because all of a sudden you're in Hamburg or you're in Paris or you're in London or you're in Los Angeles. And, um, but it's kind of, it's almost, you know, you, it's, a, it's the, the luxury problem of, okay, well, I've done what I needed to do this morning and now I have the rest of the day where I can do anything I want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> and that's uh, yeah, it's, I've always enjoyed sort of the, I know for some people, uh, what can be hard in this job is to is to is to not have a regularity, not have normal habits. I've I've always thrived a bit on on that, um, but sometimes it has been tempting to be in a new place. Like yeah, yeah, okay, it's another new place. I'm just gonna, I got my laptop. I'm just gonna chill here. That has never really been um, a successful road to happiness. Let's, let's put it that way. We we should write that down. But you just mentioned LA. And I, um, I know one of the videos for one of the campaigns you did was for, um, uh, they got you dancing and they, you'd, you'd written, it was making a, a disorientated Dutchman dance, which I thought was beautifully <laughs> written. But what's that like? Because uh, if you're going into castings and you're, are they asking you to do things that you, you know, you, if you're not a dancer, you don't really want to do, but you're going to do it because they're going to pay you well and it's, it's great exposure. So, so what's that like? Well, in that case, I, I received a phone call. I think it was from my agency in Paris, and they had asked, "Are you a good dancer?" And I told them, "No, no, <laughs> I am really. Uh, it's bad. It's very, very bad." Um, and then they went more into, "Yeah, but would you be willing to sort of give it a try?" And then my answer is always yes. But I do. You no, know, I feel like you cannot. 
you do need to be honest in, in, in those moments because at some point it will catch up because if I would have been like, oh yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm a great dancer. That was, you know, that they're, they were going to find out. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and that was, uh, no, that, was, that was quite an experience. And that was a typical situation of being extremely far out of your comfort zone. And, and that was, I had so much fun on that one. It was, it was terrible. It was embarrassing. And it was a lot of fun. I just, I can only imagine that moment for not necessarily many of us guys are blessed with um, fantastic dancing skills. So yeah, to be, to be told that you're going to be up there and, and judged on not just how you look, but how you dance at the same time is, uh, is, a, is a challenge for, uh, for the best of us. Um, the, the other question we wanted to get onto was also about, um, really for you, you've, you've changed careers and when, whilst you were modeling, was there ever a point where you thought, I don't want to do this anymore and you didn't know what career you might move into? Yes, for sure. Um, I think there's also many times I thought like, okay, maybe, maybe this is, this is done. Um, I've always been fascinated as well as when, when do you take that decision? Because that can be a tough one in itself because it's kind of because you never know when the next big thing is is going to happen it's kind of so you played the lottery for 10 years when do you stop buying that ticket because maybe next month you you win you uh, you win the big prize um but at some point i do think it's important to 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 think further to to move along and it can be difficult because it can be difficult from the sense that, you know, you might need to take a, a regular job that pays a fraction of what you're used to and you're working way harder or putting in more, more hours. Um, or for instance, you, you'd like to do a little bit of both, but then from the modeling perspective, it becomes harder for agencies to book you if you are not permanently available. Sure. Yeah. You, know, you need to have a very flexible other option at your disposal if you want to be able to to say that because if i would have a, a, a normal job and on monday at, at eight o'clock at night i call my boss and say i can't be there tomorrow because i gotta go hop on a plane that, that's probably not gonna go too well so um that's that's always it's i think it's a tricky one it's a fascinating one and i kind of you know sometimes i can compare it to the path that athletes take because they also have a bit of an expiry date on when they need to move on to something else. Um, and that can be tough because yeah. you've been very, I mean, for athletes a hundred times more, I, I truly believe that because you know, that's, um, it really needs to be your entire life um, to be able to, to, to perform at that level. So in that sense, it's different, but there is this sort of moment that you need to decide. And uh, now over the last few years, I've been lucky enough to sort of just do it a little bit less and build up something else. And that is actually in, in, in the fact that I have this situation, it's been a very uh, pleasant mix because it also, it makes you appreciate it again, uh, a lot more than maybe at some point you do, you get a little bit, what's the English word? No, not jaded, is it jaded? Sort of that you, you get to a point that you, or just, oh, I'm in another new place. I'm on another. 
And if you start doing that a little bit less and you are more in one location and, and then you do go to a new place and you meet new people, it's like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is nice. I guess for you, it's, um, as you said, it's been a great opportunity to travel around the world. Um, do you think that with the modeling that it's a, it's more of a young man's game only because if you then have a family and, and if you had kids and a partner, then it, it becomes hard when you're away for an extended period. Uh, yeah, I think it is harder. Uh, I know it's possible. I've, I've seen, uh, I, I know people that, that managed to pull it off. Um, but then it also just comes down to your, your own, uh, needs and, and, uh, um, the balance that you have in, in your home situation. Um, I have great respect for people that, you know, have uh, multiple kids and, and um, manage to do that kind of traveling and, and still have a, a, a happy partner and it's like, oh, hats off to you. I've noticed also for other reasons that for me, I, I got to a point where also for, with the traveling, I just wanted to do, um, just do less of that. Um, also just from more of an environmental point of view, but yeah, that would be an entirely different <laughs> topic, I'm sure. It's, an, it's another podcast we could do. Um, <laughs> And seeing as we're on the, the Whole Man Academy podcast, which is all about encouraging guys to either talk or get together and talk, um, over the years, I mean, you've, you've talked about the fact that you would jump on maybe some, either, you know, some group calls just with a couple of mates, but who would you be speaking to, especially as, you were, as you'd started in modelling? What, what guys would you speak to, if any at all, to kind of discuss the, 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 um, the ups and downs and the challenges you were facing? In the beginning, not really other people in the industry, because I had a bit of difficulty feeling comfortable um, around people I didn't really know that long, I didn't know that well, and maybe we're just very sociable, very um, so strong with, with uh, words, and I would just feel a little bit intimidated, and I would always assume that they were super successful, um, and but that's also kind of it is a kind of um, it's not the easiest environment to open up um, I believe for for many many different reasons um, but at some point also because whatever you say can sort of reflect on the success of your career in the sense that you know if you're on a photo shoot one of the, the, the questions you're always going to to get is so where are you off to next and if you then say, well, I don't have anything uh, on the schedule at all. I'm just going to go home and cross my fingers. They can make people think like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, um, so perception kind of create this, this environment of, um, of always having to have a very successful story in your back pocket, just in case. And I actually started noticing that a great way to, to get um, past that, I guess, is to be blatantly honest. And I started experimenting with, with that. So on a photo shoot, you know, there was at some point there was about three or four models and they were just asking during lunch, where are you off to next? And you know, the other two said amazing things with amazing places they were gonna go to and then it was up to me. And I figured, I'm, here we go, let's try this. So I just told like, I, I don't really know. I don't, I mean, I'm <laughs> going home tomorrow and there's, you know, I gotta wait for the for the next job, and let's let's hope that works out. And it it had a big impact on on the conversation from there. That you know, other people started sharing in a different way, saying like, yeah, 
yeah, okay, there's, there is that job. But after that, I actually don't really know either. And it just wow. it made the whole conversation a little bit more vulnerable and, 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 and real in a sense. And since then, I've managed to just sort of, um, I've understood that if I show vulnerability or, or you know, insecurities that I have, it is also, it's also an invitation for, for someone else to, to, to share if, if they have something like that and if they want to. It's such, a, it's such an important point because I think in any career, there's a, um, and even if it's not in a career, maybe as a guy, there's a, sometimes a need to feel like you need to impress um, and as you say, as soon as you drop your, I'm trying to think of the word, drop your mask, maybe as it were, then the other guys around you might think, oh, okay, well, actually he's been honest and or vulnerable and or, you know, not pretended that he's something he isn't. And maybe it's okay for me. And that hopefully has a, a domino knock on effect. Yeah, yeah, that's at least for for me. What over the years has also just made me feel a lot more comfortable on set. And again, it's just all part of this evolution of years of 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 also just feeling more comfortable with with who I am. And and those I think always go go hand in hand. And what's next for you? What is next for me? There is um, well for sure the the the, the coaching is is uh, is uh, main the main focus. Um, this is something that over the years I've already been sort of going towards and, um, and now is really the time to, uh, to push forward with that. Um, I've always felt that I, I would love to work with people that are active in the fashion industry, be it models, but also photographers, for example, or other people, just because I believe that, you know, considering what we talked about over the last hours, you find yourself in quite some extraordinary um, circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that in, in that sense, I'm, I'm fortunate in understanding the, the coaching side of it, but also understanding that world and, and what it can feel like and, and the pressures that you can experience or, or fears or temptations or, or you name it. Um, that's definitely that's that's a good part of it uh and next to that the, there's a bit of the ironic sense of the, of the current situation but i've also been sort of wanting to get people to come to tuscany for some days three to five days yeah. um, because i truly believe that there's there's a, a a big power in just being out in in nature together um going on 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 hikes together um experiencing nature around you, smelling new things, hearing different things, walking side by side instead of talking uh, uh, like this. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that's been, you know, going on and is right now on, on an absolute pause. Uh, there's just no yeah. other way around it. Yes, I think it's, um, I know it's increasingly popular to have the, the coaching that is more of a one-to-one, -one, but changing your... Um, changing the location getting out from wherever you're used to instead of being at the office if you're coaching someone and they're in you know in, a, in an office room or a meeting room yeah to say look you know let's gonna let's gonna let's call it a deep dive and spend a couple of days together and i guess out there you've got uh it's kind of the perfect environment for it it is it <laughs> it really is it's 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 so beautiful here if it, have you ever been no not yet well, and when one day when you know things are return have returned to a form of normal, please please do come and visit. 
when we're when we're allowed out. And how about yourself? What's your what's your relationship with London? With oh boy, <laughs> that's I've actually never really been able to to get the hang of London. Uh, that's I've I've also um, I've worked there from time to time, but if I look at sort of the the bigger fashion capitals, London I've worked the least in. Um, I have spent proper time there. I think at some point also I met up with David there. Um, and I've always enjoyed it, but there was, there was, I don't, the weather was very much like what we have in Holland as well. And I would always just go there in the periods where the weather was extremely, well, I guess English slash Dutch. Um, so I've enjoyed it, but I've never spent enough time there to really sort of have the, it's also, it's so big that I just never really got the feeling of understanding having my bearings and just really understanding a little bit of what the, what the city is about. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that. Yeah. Cause I think for, for, for the people that are used to living there, it, it doesn't seem that big, but yeah, if you're, um, if you're not used to coming over there and, and, and would you have, would you have lived over here at any point if you're working as in just stayed for a little bit or was it just a pretty much, you know, a couple of days here and there? It was most of the time a couple of days. I spent one time a couple of weeks there. Uh, that was the maximum amount of time that I've uh, that I've spent in London. And those those were fun weeks because um, a part of that period I was staying with a friend of mine who was who was studying there. So that was uh, that was that was good fun. Uh, it's interesting to hear. Well, um, uh, as you said yourself, um, hopefully when we can all move around again, if you happen to be, uh, coming to, uh, to London at any point and have the opportunity, we'd, uh, we'd love to, uh, buy you a, buy you a drink and a spot of lunch and, and meet up and show you, show you some sights. Um, but, but Maris, I, I, I just want to say, I appreciate your, uh, your time in coming to talking to us. Um, it's, it's so interesting to talk to, we're really trying to have a mixture of guys who, um, you know, have got an inspiring story, have got lessons to learn, but also it's just interesting to hear, I don't know about the, the guys at home, but for us, you know, what's it like, as you've said, being a model, what's the ups and downs of it? Um, and we, we're trying to create a, a real mixture of, of, of people on the podcast that you can listen to that you might not have listened to um, beforehand. So thank you for that. Um, also to acknowledge you for the, the coaching that you're doing, because I think it's a, it's a great thing, especially in this time of, of need that anybody can, can reach out to you um, and and hopefully add add some value back. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for having me. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, is it best to to jump onto your Instagram or go to your website? What's the best way? Yeah, I think those are the two two best ways. You can go on the Instagram. It's just my full name. My last name is uh, for non-Dutch speakers always a bit of a hassle. But <laughs> How would you? And, uh, how would you describe um, for, for us English guys? I mean, I used to spend a lot of time with uh, with Dutch clients, and sometimes you would get their their names completely wrong. Um, <laughs> how would you tell us to pronounce your surname? Hardek. Good. We, we should replay that one so everybody can say it and <laughs> uh, and and test themselves. Um, brilliant. Well, look, I, I just yeah. Thank you very much uh, for your time. It's it's great to speak to you, and uh, and hopefully we will speak to you again at some point. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Whole Man Academy podcast. Now, are you receiving our weekly emails? If not, you're missing out. Our Whole Man Academy weekly email is changing the game for men around the world using cutting edge psychology, game-changing thinking strategies, and inspiring tips and stories from people you should have heard of, but likely never have. 
So if you want to live more, be more and experience more, go and sign up. Visit wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement.